For centuries, religious communities have shut themselves off from the outside world. Closed orders of monks and nuns, the Amish living simply on the land. But the 50,000-strong Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, or the PBCC, is especially strict about contact with outsiders. It sometimes ostracises those who leave. Pippa Bailey is assistant editor of The New Statesman. She's from a Brethren family. She recently published a deep dive into the religion that shaped her ancestors and sometimes brought great pain. One of the key tenets of Breton theology very early on was there would be kind of no priesthood, no hierarchy, no idols, no visual imagery in church. They've kept that throughout the sort of 200 years that the Brethren have existed. They believe many of the same things as other conservative evangelical churches, you know, in terms of the divinity of Christ. But the key difference is that since its beginning, members have lived by a very literal interpretation of Bible verses, such as 2 Timothy 2.19, which says, let everyone who names the name of the Lord withdraw from iniquity. This is often referred to as the doctrine of separation. And what it means is that the brethren try to separate themselves from what they perceive as the evil of the outside world around them. In practice, what exactly that means has changed over the decades. But today it extends to not living or eating with non-members. Are the brethren, as their critics claim, a cult? Well, there's no law in the UK that defines what makes a cult. I'm not sure what the situation is in Australia. And so whether any organisation is or isn't a cult is really a matter of opinion. I chose in the piece to use the word sect because it felt more neutral. There are ex-members who do call the PBCC a cult. There are also those who choose not to use that language, who call it a church. The PBCC itself calls itself a mainstream Christian church. I don't feel, having not been a member myself, that I'm kind of qualified to comment, to hold an opinion on Mm. whether it is a cult. But you do have a strong family connection, which is something that comes out in this piece. What was your own family's involvement with the Plymouth Brethren? My grandmother was born in the north of England into the PBCC in 1935. She was at least, I think, fourth generation brethren. So her grandfather was a friend of the movement's founder, John Nelson Darby. She married my grandfather while they were still in, and they had my mother in the early 1960s. But they left when she was a small child. So my mum, the kind of line ends there. She doesn't have any really memories of being in the brethren. There were quite a few kind of changes in the rules around that time in the early 1960s when a man called James Taylor Jr. took over as leader, including that the brethren couldn't eat with non-brethren or hold professional registrations, meaning they couldn't practice as doctors, lawyers, pharmacists, dentists, etc. My grandfather was an architect and he refused to give up his profession. And so he left. My grandmother spent three weeks sort of staying in the Brethren with her family while her husband was on the outside and before deciding to join him Mm. and taking my mother with her. What was the consequence of that for her, by the way, of leaving? Yeah, so a common practice among Brethren is that when a former member leaves, those who remain will no longer um, live or speak with them. I should say the, the PBCC says this is very rare and that its members are free to do what they please as they see fit. But for my grandmother, that meant that she saw her parents only once more when she took my mum to meet them when I think my mum was preteen, maybe 11, and she lost her five siblings. She has never seen them again and all but one of them has, has since died. 
when you used to talk to your grandmother, did she evince trauma about what had happened to her? Yeah, growing up, I caught little bits and pieces of what happened from her stories. It wasn't until a few years ago that she actually sat down and told me the whole thing from start to finish. And it took me quite a lot of persuading to get her to do that. She prefers really not to talk about it. I think she finds it very difficult to kind of go back there. And she's of a different generation. I think today people would see therapists or speak to friends, you know, (laughs) her way of dealing with it really is just to kind of put a lid on it and and not go back there. I've given her a copy of the piece that I wrote. She's not read it yet, but she's not sure if she will. You mentioned uh, something there that I just found intriguing, and that was that because the Brethren won't join any professional associations, it means that, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's a really smart member of the Brethren, and I'm sure over the years there have been plenty They can't practice medicine. They can't practice law. In a closed or relatively closed community, one might think these would be useful skills to have. What's the rationale? There are still, I believe, a few practicing doctors who qualified before those rules came in, in the Brethren. They're obviously quite old now. So the Brethren do use non-Brethren doctors, dentists, lawyers, if they need them, accountants, etc., The official PBCC line now is that it's not education, university education that they're against. It's the campus life, the potential immorality of campus life. And so they say that their members are free to kind of study remotely. I believe the original logic back in the 60s when these rules were first brought in was that they wanted to have no ties at all between legal ties, any kind of ties between themselves and as they perceived it, the evil of the outside world. And that extended to having a public official registration of a professional body. Pippa, on a very practical level, what does it mean to live this rather austere lifestyle? Brethren members go to church every day of the week. They go in the evenings during the week and they go all day on a Sunday. Just going to the kind of church meetings is a huge part of life. In the UK, they live all over the UK. There are little pockets, centres of them around these meeting halls. They live in close community. In fact, one of the women I spoke to who has since left talked about the difference between friendship inside the Brethren and outside the Brethren and how much more kind of intense it is inside. You know, in the outside, there were these people who said they were her friend, but she only met them twice. It's a real kind of community, tight-knit community lifestyle. This hasn't always been the case, but the children now attend Brethren-run independent schools, the first of which actually was set up in Sydney. They work for Brethren-run businesses. Mm. So really, they interact with the community and that they are, by all accounts, polite neighbours, children are well-behaved. You know, it is mostly working with other Brethren at work, though I should say that their businesses do employ non-Brethren. You know, the children obviously are with non-brethren at school because their teachers are non-brethren but apart from that you know it's a brethren run school and a huge amount of their kind of time is taken up with meetings but what does it mean to be and you use this phrase quite a bit shut up in the brethren community i need to make the distinction between being shut up and being withdrawn from being withdrawn from is like being excommunicated it's what happens to people who eventually fully leave the group Shutting up is a disciplinary process. It happens when a member is perceived to have done something wrong. So, for example, one of my interviewees said that her sister was shut up as a teenager for watching Charles and Diana's wedding on TV through a shop window. 
historically, shutting up meant that a member would have to live separately from their family in their own house. And there have also been cases of children being temporarily removed from the household of shut up parents. This happened to one of my interviewees twice. Today, the PBCC says this is rare, that what it involves is that they minimise social contact with the shut up person. That includes they can't go to meetings. So obviously, as I said, they go every day normally to church. So that is quite a big change to your life. The shutting up ends essentially when either the issue is resolved in what the church considers a satisfactory manner or when the member is withdrawn from and, you know, and leaves the group. They don't actually prevent you from leaving, from what I can gather. They don't entrap you in the religion. But what is the consequence of leaving? The PBCC says that members are kind of free to do what they want. In fact, the website itself says that there are no rules. They say it's up to the individual members whether they want to remain in contact with their relatives, their friends who have left or not. The experience of the people I've spoken to is that that isn't the case, that they have lost contact with their entire network of family and friends. It's certainly what happened to my grandparents. One of the women that I spoke with has five adult children who are still in the Brethren who won't speak to her. She doesn't know how many grandchildren she has. It's easier for people who leave with other members of their family. So a few of my interviewees left as a child or as a teenager with their parents and one or two of their siblings. And that case that you mentioned is particularly sad because I think that lady who has five children from whom she is estranged, I think she's suffering cancer. She is cured now, thankfully, but at the time, about a year after she left, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so she was going through all of this at a time when she was already, she said, as low as low. It's almost the worst thing I can imagine happening to anyone to lose your family at the time when actually my dad has cancer and that family support is everything. What happens to people spiritually when they leave the Brethren? Do they sour on religion altogether or, or, or do they find other ways of expressing their faith? This is really interesting. Of the people I've met, there's a huge breadth really of experience on that one. Some people, as you say, you know, that's it. It's kind of tarnished the entire thing and they want nothing more to do with it. Others would say that actually they've never really had faith, but they didn't feel able to express that kind of atheism or agnosticism while they were in the Brethren. But then there are others who do go on to go to what we would describe as more mainstream churches, sort of Church of England churches, certainly in the UK, more kind of just conservative evangelical type churches. One of my interviewees spoke quite humorously about how different church physically looks, that now she looks around her new church and there are sort of men with ponytails and, and tattoos. It looks so different from her experience of church in the Brethren. And yet she's found great comfort and community and goodness there. Pippa Bailey of The New Statesman, there's a link to her article on the Plymouth Brethren at our website. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.